Welcome to episode two of Musical Memoirs. I want to say a big thank you to everyone who left messages and comments after the first episode where I interviewed Sean Hughes. I'm really glad that so many people enjoyed it. Now in episode two, I'm continuing to interview people who I find inspiring and interesting. This month, I have a chat with my good friend, Lorna Cole, who is always super interesting to talk to. In her late 30s, she decided she wanted to change career and do something that helps people which I find really inspiring, especially as it took her a few years of studying to achieve this. And she's even currently in the middle of doing a master's as well. Lorna grew up in London, the eldest daughter of a Jamaican dad and a Barbadian mum. She studied fashion and ran her own label for a few years. She's traveled a lot and lived in various different countries. Lorna is one of my favorite people to go to live music gigs and festivals with, as she's so much into her music like me. I know her from Ibiza, where she was a presenter on Holiday FM Radio. We talk about living and working in Ibiza, and about her return to London, where she helped in setting up a brand new TV station. She tells me about her journey from this, to training as a psychotherapist, and setting up her own practice. She tells me about her experience being one of the counsellors who helped the surviving residents of the Grenfell Tower in London after the fire there. We talk about how the public perception of therapy has changed a lot in the past 20 years and how she works a lot with people who are dealing with trauma in her practice. Along the way, Lorna takes me through five tracks that mean something to her and I ask her to tell me about someone that she finds inspiring and why. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so I'm here with Lorna Cole. How are you doing, Lorna? I am good. I am very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good to be here. I'm, I'm, this is, it's normally the other way around, right? In our experience, <laughs> yeah, very normally much I'd be the one kind of interviewing you. Yeah. Times have changed, That's Jamie. That's funny, isn't it? Yeah, because mm. I know you're from Ibiza, don't I? Right. And you used to present shows on HFM, the yep. radio station that ran for a little while out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. when we were doing our Filthy Gorgeous parties, we had a weekly show sort of thing with yeah, you yeah yeah kind of regular spot that you would come in and and take over the studio with uh it's always like a an entourage yeah yeah it was good it was <laughs> a, good fun wasn't it a collection of very cool djs 15 I mean, years ago oh my gosh <laughs> that's just taking the wind out of me jamie um yeah it doesn't feel i mean it feels like an age ago it feels like a lifetime ago yeah but um but it's still fresh in my mind. How did you end up doing that? Um, what, the radio job? Radio yeah. gig? It yeah. was, oh my gosh. The whole Ibiza thing for me, it was a complete, like I didn't have any idea that that was on the cards for me. It was not something that was in my head. I'd never been to Ibiza. You know, like all those, my friends that would go clubbing and would go to Ibiza every year and talk about how they'd spend £10 on a bottle of water. And I was just like, that's not my scene. I love house music, I love clubs, but Ibiza's not for me. No and way. I'd never been, and then my friend went to live there, Natalie, who you know. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, she was like, just come, just come and visit. So I was like, very begrudgingly went over and paid her a visit. And within an hour, I said, oh my goodness, this place has got some energy, man. <laughs> I need to be here, man. And um, There actually is something about the energy. There's something about the energy in Ibiza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, so, and I guess it happens to people, right? They go there and they get sucked in by the energy. And I was one of those people. And at the end of my week's holiday, she took me up to Cafe Mambo. There's a radio station 
um, up there um, above Cafe Mambo. And she was like, just get their number. There was nobody there, but I took somebody's number and, and gave them a call as soon as I came back to work after my holiday. Rang up from the studio. I was working at a radio station in London. Rang up and I was like, I'm thinking of coming to Ibiza. Do you need any help? And very randomly, they were in the middle of a meeting about needing a female presenter. No way. And <laughs> I mean, this is going back some years, right? So they were like, can you send us anything um, with your work? And I was like, actually, somebody's just made me a demo. I can email it to you now. And I didn't even know how to email a sound file. Oh, no so way. I had to figure it out, sent that over. And within an hour, I had a job in Ibiza for the summer. Wow. And what, what year was this? This was 2005. Oh, wow. 2005. Yeah. So we're going back some. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was it. I packed up, quit my job, packed up where I was living, and I was back in Ibiza a week later. Amazing. And that's how it happened. Because um, before we started this, you were telling me that um, there was a, a guy with some tarot cards. <laughs> and I, we were talking about how things just change, yeah. you know, on your path. You think you're going in one direction. And then things can change overnight. And this guy in the tarot. So before I went to Ibiza, I was working at a radio station, loving my job, lots of lovely perks, loved the team. That was my dream job, playing music and, and talking. Um, what, what was the station? It was Time FM um, and Fusion FM. So there were two stations kind of networked okay, yeah. in southeast London. And it was, it was heaven. It was heaven for me. Loved it. Didn't think I was going anywhere and was working in the pub in a pub in the evenings. And um, on a Wednesday night, they'd have this guy come and do tarot cards. And I remember it was one dead Wednesday night. And he was like, oh, why don't you just come and get yours done? And he laid some cards for me. And he just told me that I was going to be living in another country in the next few weeks. And I was like, I'm not going anywhere, mate. This is a load of nonsense. You can keep your tarots. Thank you very much. <laughs> And he was so on point. I was I was gone within the month. That's crazy. Yeah. So you never know. You never know what's in the cards. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was it was an amazing. And was that for Holiday FM that that job in Ibiza? That was for Holiday FM. Yeah. yeah. And how long did you do that for? So I was with Holiday FM for two years, and after that. I started my own little pirate station type thing. Should I even say that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I ordered an aerial from the internet and I was living on the top floor of a, an apartment building. So I like shimmied up onto the roof. Brilliant. Stuck my aerial up and did these live broadcasts from clubs. And um, yeah, and actually while I was doing that and I wanted to get a bit of sponsorship for the little station, I spoke to Pioneer dj about some sponsorship and this was like just at the beginning of the youtube era so you know yeah, videos course, were just yeah. becoming a thing so they asked me to film my interviews and the live broadcast that we that were was doing dj sounds no dj sounds yeah yeah so then so then all of a sudden i was a video producer and presenter 
And so that was a real change in direction because I just went to them thinking, oh, they might give us a little sponsorship and do some advertising on the radio station. But no, I ended up becoming like a video presenter. That was that was a great time. You were really good at that. I, I remember there, there <laughs> was, was one particular one. Do I remember Laurent Garnier? One haunts me. <laughs> this one haunts me so much. But come on, Laurent Garnier though, he's so cool. I'm, I'm so <laughs> I can't embarrassed even right remember. Now what it was about it but there was some flirting going oh man (laughs) i i think i was desperately trying not to flirt (laughs) but looking back at that video a friend of mine keeps bringing it to my attention (laughs) and it's so embarrassing so embarrassing shameless (laughs) um but he's just he's an amazing lovely person great dj and you know all the rest (laughs) how could i not how could i not blossom my eyelashes a little bit well, shall we uh, introduce the first track Ooh. while we're here? Um, a, a classic track that you, you, you couldn't live without. Oh, a classic track that I couldn't live without. I, I'm, I'm going hip-hop. Cool, yeah. I love hip-hop. And oh, can, I'm sure that everybody that you speak to is going to say this, but this is the most impossible task for somebody who loves music, right? Yeah, of course. And, yeah, so I'm just going with... How I felt over that, and I've agonised over this list over the last week, right? And it's changed about a hundred times in that time. But as it stands, um, I'm just thinking about my love of hip hop, and as much as I love rappers like Nas is my favourite, Kano, British rapper, one of my favourites, Kendrick Lamar, very, very almost made the list. Um, but this classic is just—it's been there since I was a kid just formed so much of my identity. I'm going with De La Soul, me, myself and I. From, from an amazing album. That album, just the cover alone. Yeah, absolutely. The merit of the cover is enough. Uh, yeah. Brilliant, well let's have a listen. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Tell me mirror, what is wrong? Can it be my De La clothes or is it just my De La Soul? What I do ain't make believe. People say I sit and try, but when it comes to it's just me, myself, and I. I. It's just me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. Now you tease my plug one style and my plug one spectacle. You say plug one and two are hippies, no, we're not. That's pure plug four. Always pushing that we formed an image. It's just me, myself, and I. 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 Me, myself, and I. I. 
They diss my person by stating I'm darkly packed. I know this, so I point at Q-tip and he states black is black. Mirror, mirror on the wall, shovel chestnuts in my path. Just keep all nuts to the nuts so I don't get an aftermath. But if I do, I'll calmly punch them in the fourth day of July. Cause they try to mess with third degree, that's me, myself, and I. Nah. Just me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. What track? It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, just, it doesn't get old. How old is that track? We should have looked that up. Yeah. You were listening. Um, it's early nineties, late eighties. Late eighties. Oh. Yeah, but that's part of the fabric of me, that song. Yeah. And they're still going strong. They're mm. still out there making albums, touring. So, you know, respect, respect for yeah, song. Absolutely. So back to Ibiza. So what did you do? Because you end up moving out there full time, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Um, I did what everybody does. It's, I'll just go for the summer. I'm just going to do one summer, which turned into about six years. A, a couple of Ibiza winters, which is enough to send someone crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's pretty quiet in the winter, isn't it? <laughs> it You're is. like me, you need stuff going on, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you need a bit of stimulation. I mean, it's nice to have that peace and quiet. So I'd do a long summer and probably get out of there in November and do Christmas, you know, back at home. Right, yeah. And then um, it was quite nice because you could go and travel in the winter. That was quite yeah. a nice rhythm to do, wasn't it? Yeah. So I did... Yeah, you do like sun chasing. A lot of people went off to Bali and India and places like that. But I went to Brazil. I do the Caribbean in the winters. Oh, brilliant. So yeah. that, was, that was good. I miss that lifestyle. I miss that rhythm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's very, it just, it sucks you in. Like we were saying, it sucks you in. You think it's going to be that one summer. But I don't know anyone that's stayed for one summer in Ibiza. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't mm. it? It's, it's, it's a magnet, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think maybe we spoil ourselves by by being there for that long, because <laughs> anything afterwards is is just not quite, is it? It's not the you're chasing that all yeah. the time, and it's hard. Yeah, real life, you know, real life in the real world, it's just a whole different experience, and you're chasing that high, you know, just that life high yeah. that you get just from seeing all those sunrises and sunsets in Ibiza, sunrises when you come home and sunsets when you're going out and the beaches and the natural life and the music and the crazy and interesting people that come in and out of that island. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's a high energy place. It is, isn't it? When did you move back? You you moved back to London? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's 10 years ago now. So, yeah. yeah. 20, 2011 and came back to London just felt like it was time to come back to being near family and feeling rooted and stop living out of a suitcase because that gets quite tiring yeah um 
and then I guess I was thinking about my next move. So I was thinking, uh, what does one do after doing radio and, and video and TV felt like a natural next step. Um, so yeah, after a bit of training, I did some journalism training and then this opportunity came up to help out at a new channel, um, a London TV channel. I was like, that sounds like a bit of me. Perfect. Went in there to help out and um, have been there since they started, really. I was like employee number three after the director. Really? And, and the no launch way. director. That sounds pretty exciting. It was, um, it was amazing. It was very fast paced. We had very little time to set up a whole TV channel and, and get lots of programs in and content in. And I was doing bits of everything, production and... Um, filming and finding content and there was no sleep and so much going on um but it was it was thrilling yeah. and just working on something new something that I like and it was London so you know fancy myself as a real London girl <laughs> um so yeah it really fit and that was a great way to be back in back in London and back in the UK and so that was, what, almost 10 years ago, something like that? Yeah, yes, yeah, almost. Oh, great. So that's been a while. Yeah, and you, and you still work sort of a day or two a week for them, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I do. I still, I'm a partnerships manager, so it's a really, it's a cool job. Um, I just work with organisations and producers and get their content on the channel and give them a platform and find lots of indie content and... Yeah, it's just, it's creative and you get to talk to cool people. Nice. Jobs I like. Yeah. <laughs> Do many people watch it? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a tiny commercial channel and for the kind of budgets that we have, we manage to get amazing content on and our production teams and news teams are really good. So the level of what we have on, because if you think about similar channels on you know sky and, and stuff like that they they look like small channels and we look like a big channel we're in with the big players but we're only a small team very dedicated and passionate team oh, and cool. the channel's doing well because of it still there so yeah. that's oh, something. well that's 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 got to be a good sign isn't <laughs> yeah. it oh brilliant yeah so uh leading into your your, your second track mm -hmm. um a, a new track that you can't uh can't stop listening to yeah, I'm just I'm I'm going with um, Steam Down, Free My Skin, because I mean it's it's new-ish, and it, first of all the track itself's just got energy. It's like energy, it's dance floor, and also it's it's jazz and it's UK contemporary kind of this new renaissance that jazz is having. And you're well in, into your music, aren't you? I, like, yeah, well into your music. We, we've been yeah. to various festivals yes, and yeah. gigs and things yeah. since I've been back in England, and um, mm. and and I know you're you're seriously into music. I mean, yeah, I'm, we're just looking at my much dwindled record collection, but still there. You know, I still got the passion, um, and I'm really into jazz. I'm really, really into jazz, and jazz is one of those things that suffered um, from an image issue yeah. because people associate it with elevator music and which is such a shame isn't it it's yeah. so diverse yeah and it's really and it's changing um and there are you know these young generation of jazz musicians in the uk making amazing music 
with lots of influences. So we like a bit of Afrobeat, like we've gone and sort we've seen yeah. some Afrobeat artists, and they bring in some of that influence, and then they'll bring in some hip hop elements and the jazz, traditional jazz, and just mixes everything together. And I love that energy, and it's just representative of what's going on in the UK and especially in London right now. Energy, see? Yes. Told you. Definitely, definitely got some energy in that. <laughs> I have, I, do you know, I haven't seen them live, and I've been told you just have to see them live yeah. to get that energy and be down the front. When you find out when they're playing, please, yeah. uh, please let me know. We'll I'll do be, it. I'll be well do up it. for that as well. Front and centre, Jamie. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> so at some point, you decided that you wanted to to have a bit of a change. Yeah, what it brought was... that about? I had always, I'm laughing to myself because like my oldest best friend that I've known all my life and like her mum and my mum are best friends. She will always joke that growing up, whenever people try and guess what they do, they always think that I'm a social worker. So there's always been this thing that really? people always, I know people always think that, 
I'm like a social worker or something in that field. And so like randomly now getting close to that, I think people always perceive me as being, you know, somebody who looks quite caring. Like I always get people asking me if I'm a nurse or some sort of carer. Really? Yeah. I always think you just look super cool. Like not that nurses and carers aren't cool, but Mm. I would have put something a bit more creative than that. Yeah, maybe a cool social worker. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But um, yeah, she always jokes that like I'll end up doing that one day, and I had this calling. I just I can only call it a calling. Like I just wanted to give something back. I feel like media a little bit is the dark side. Right. Yeah. And. I wanted to give something back to the universe. As I'm saying those words out loud, it sounds so corny coming out of my mouth. But, you know, you just want to, yeah. like, do good and, like, give good energy, man. And it makes sense. So I was toying with the idea of, you know, how do I help people? How do I connect with people and and do that giving to the universe thing? And did an introduction to counselling course because I just had an idea that that might be a way to really help people and support people. Yeah. Did the course, loved it, that was it, I was in. I was like, yeah, that's a bit of me. And just kind of letting myself be in that role of the helping carer person that seemed to be written on my face (laughs) for a very long time. Um, Yeah, and then I went and did my training. And How long does that take? So all in all, three years. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I didn't do the undergrad, but because I'd studied, um, I had a degree already, they let me access the course. And yeah, it's just, it's intense. And I have to say, when I went through that training, my whole life went upside down, like everything changed in my life because you, in the process, you have to look at yourself and you go through therapy and there's a lot of reflection and analysis of your own life and yourself and you've got to make sure that you're well. So that really kind of digs into some of your own personal stuff. So Yeah, I can imagine. Mm, that that really, you know, changed things for me, like my the job that I was in at the time and the relationship that I was in, like everything changed. Wow. Yeah. During the time that I was doing my counselling training in a good way, in a really positive way. And and you learn about yourself and you learn to accept yourself and you learn how to embrace and kind of ride out difficult stuff, which was useful in the training as well. Yeah. So that's all part of the process that I think is the great thing about being in this field. So, yeah, I decided to become a psychotherapist. Oh, amazing. Mm. And how long have you been practicing that now? So I have been I've been in private practice for about four years. And um, before that, I was doing some counselling for the NHS. And actually, I'm still part of the Grenfell counselling team. Um, Amazing. So in the hotels where people were living after the fire and and now at the inquiry. Um, Yeah. So so all in all, yeah, I guess I've been doing that for about six years. So what what has that involved? Yeah, we were... uh, a team of freelance counsellors, I guess. And we would be in the hotels where they were staying night after night until three in the morning, just being on hand um, to be there for what they were going through. Wow. Yeah. 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 And 
it was a unique experience. I can imagine. I would say, yeah, yeah. Like you really learn about humanity in those moments yeah. and that fire, um, that happening and the way things happened. There are, I mean, I have lots of views about how, how could something like that happen? There were so many mistakes that happened. Yeah. Um, and how challenging that is and was for the community, but also how they did rally together and, you know, the wider community pulled together and and got involved. And I would have volunteered. I remember getting in touch to volunteer um, when it all happened and then just by reaching out, then being invited to be part of this counselling team. But, yeah, you just get to see how people pull together and are strong together and want to heal each spirit. other. Yeah. yeah, all of that stuff. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so sad as it was, you kind of you see the good side of human nature as well. Yeah, well, that's good. Mm. Leading on to your third track, a track that gives you goosebumps, old or new. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, this was an easy one, actually, because... When I think about this, even now, thinking about this track and thinking about the artist gives me goosebumps because it's Prince, it's Diamonds oh, yeah. and Pearls. And I was like so-so about Prince for most of my life. Oh, he's, you know, he's very talented. Da, 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 da. But by a fluke, I got to see him in one of those gigs that he did um, just before he passed away. So he did those oh, yeah. secret last minute gigs in London and I've got a friend of mine who is the biggest Prince fan in the, like, he's on another level. Yeah. He's been to hundreds of concerts. Oh, wow. And the after parties. He's been to Paisley Park. Oh, wow. Where Prince lives and has this whole big story about meeting Prince. And so he's a real fan. So he had messaged me saying, Lorna, listen to the radio. There's going to be a Prince gig. We've got to go. We got there really early. Um, we were right in the front of the queue, so we got in there first. It was only a tenner at the Shepherd's Bush Empire. Brilliant. And it meant that we got in right at the front, in the middle, and it took a while for people to pile in. So we saw Prince come out on stage and test all of the instruments. Oh, no way. And even at that point, he just came out and just like put his hands on the piano and the sound that came out, I've never seen anything like it. I've heard anything. He was so super talented, wasn't oh he? Then he was on the drums and it's like no effort. Yeah. But the sound that comes out and then the guitar, he just makes a guitar sing. And he's this tiny little guy, yeah. the big heels. And I was, my jaw was on the floor. I was stunned. And then the gig was amazing. And so now when I think of Prince, I get goosebumps, but also just thinking about this song. It's Brilliant. a big song. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I, to be honest, I've got a similar thing. I saw him a few, I was lucky enough to see him, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. And and, and I hadn't been a massive fan before that. I'd, I'd slowly got a bit more into him. Yeah. And then I saw him live and I was like, this guy is just unbelievable. Incredible. There's no, there's no comparison. There's nobody else. There'll never be another one of him. He's unique. Yeah. Just and dancing and singing, the voice, he can rap, he's just this he's so many things. Yeah. Brilliant. Let's uh let's stick it on. This will be the day you 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but look, proof, goosebumps, goosebumps. <laughs> perfect. That's what that, that's what I asked for, wasn't it? <laughs> the track that gives you goosebumps. <laughs> proof is in the uh, is, is in, in the arms. <laughs> so you've been doing 
the two jobs you've been still in the the dark side the media <laughs> and and you've been doing your own practice mm. um with the with the counseling yeah yeah and and how how does that work with the with the two careers going as one or going at the same time yeah just being very disciplined about time management right um there is yeah there is something to be said about kind of flipping your mindset all the time going into kind of tv mode and then into that kind of empathetic space of being a therapist but people always think that they're quite different but actually there's quite um, a lot of crossover in oh, yeah. the, the skills and the headspace that you use tv is a lot about relationships and especially my role as a partnerships person um about kind of looking for solutions um, in a way, making things work, creating space for people to, um, I don't know, create things happens on the TV side. Right, that makes sense. And it, yeah, it kind of transfers over into what I do in therapy. And have you, do you think you've found like, or, or should I say from either side, mm. skills that you've found in the media side or mm. skills that you've found in the, in the therapy side that, are kind of transferable and have made you have a, maybe a different outlook on the other one, if that makes any sense. I think <laughs> training in therapy has helped me to not be so stressed about the stressful world of media. Right. Because it is so stressful, and especially um, in live TV, because I cut my teeth doing like live production. And wow, yeah. That is stressful. And there's always, there's so many things that can and will go wrong and it is stressful. Um, so being calm when the, you know what, is hitting the fan yeah. has been a useful thing. I know, I'm not sure if that's quite the question you were asking me, but that's No, no, that's that, 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 that makes sense. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And then going the other way. Um, communication. You know, in TV, you have to be a good communicator and um, working in media, uh, working in radio. And that really helps in working with different types of people um, that you'll come across in therapy, you know. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, do you specialise in anything um, mm. on, the, on the therapy side? I would say, um, I guess I'm a, a, a general therapist. Um, but people tend to come to me um, dealing with anxiety and depression. And what tends to be quite common is that they've gone through some trauma um, and childhood trauma. Um, this this feels like a very different tone now. But yeah, and, and trauma is a word that we hear a lot at the moment when we talk about mental health. But it can be, you know, the big T trauma, big things that you've gone through that were really difficult and the little T trauma, the the stuff that happened on a regular basis, on a long term right, basis, yeah. that can really impact you, but you don't realise because you normalise it as a way to cope. Right, that makes sense. And and then that normalisation and coping strategy kind of gets in the way of you leading a nice, balanced, healthy life as an adult. Yeah. Yeah, and a, and a lot of people. Are dealing with that and they don't really know they don't have the awareness of that so um they just think it's their personality or they just 
think that they've got something wrong with them and it happens most of the time that when I sit down with clients, I'll be like, look, I'm, I know this is really cheesy and this is a, a therapy um, cliche, but tell me about your childhood. Because right, it's yeah. just an, a, a very quick way to get to um, learning how a person copes with things and where they might have developed their behaviours and, and strategies okay. for life. Um, so, yeah, if there was a specialism, I would say it's around childhood trauma. Yeah. Um, and and how that impacts your life as an adult. Oh, well, yeah, mm. that makes sense. Mm. And how easy was it to, to build up your own client base? I, I think that people are just starting to normalise going to therapy. I think a lot of people are, are seeing it as a normal thing, an option, you know, akin to looking after their physical health. They want to look yeah. after their mental health, especially with social media being what it is that helps people normalise talking about their mental health. And um, so, yeah, I mean, even to the point where it's kind of swinging to, you know, I have a lot of millennial clients and it's almost like a trendy thing to oh, right. have a therapist. Really? Yeah, Because I guess when, when we were younger, mm. I don't know about you, but I didn't really know anybody. No. It, no, it was like an American thing. Yeah, it was. You saw in the movies and the yeah. TV series. It's like they all have therapists. Well, they're all crazy anyway, aren't they? Yeah. And it was that kind of feeling. And actually, um, yeah, to be honest with you, the first time I had therapy was when I started training as a therapist. Oh, no way. And I kind of went in there thinking, you yeah, well, know, I'm all right. I'm pretty chill. I'm sorted, you know, like, don't worry about it. And started having therapy and started to learn so much about myself, Jamie. I know, yeah. <laughs> and... It is, it's an exploration and it can be challenging, but it can lead you to having a more chilled life in a way. Even if you have your own anxieties, you know, you can learn to work with those and deal with them and cope with them in a way that isn't so consuming. Right, yeah. Mm. And so by by doing this work, have you have you found that it's easier to work on yourself? Or do you, because doing this, like you, you have to have therapy at the same time, yeah. don't you? Because, you, you, yeah. you know, putting up with people, sorry, that sounds wrong. <laughs> but like having people telling you their issues all day must must impact on you as well. I am therapied up to the eyeballs. Oh, yeah. I have I have my own therapist. Actually, being with the professional body that I'm signed up with, you have to be able to show proof of your own self-care and professional development. Oh, wow. Um, so we have to have a supervisor that we talk to about our client work. And I'm in peer groups talking about my client work. I have a therapist. I do, like, my self-care is, is paramount... So, and you have, you can be audited on that. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So, and I think that's, that's good. It's important because you need to be able to support. Yeah, absolutely. Support other people. Makes sense. Mm. So going on to your fourth track, which is the track that stopped you in your tracks. The track that stopped me in my tracks has got to be by one of my all time heroes. And I have a huge canvas of her on my wall um nina simone yeah absolute legend she's i mean she's an inspiration um 
for so many reasons, but even just for the way she plays piano and sings. Yeah. It's beautiful and it really comes out in the song. And there's a version of this song, actually thinking about it, that she does live at the Montreux Jazz Festival, which she even says when she's doing the performance, she's like, oh, the spirit's taking me now. And you <laughs> feel it. You feel the spirit through Nina. Um, yeah. So, I, so I which track have you picked? I wish I knew. Yeah. 
it's a lovely song that is, isn't it? It is. And she, yeah, she 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 was a talent. Yeah, she she knows how to play those keys. Yeah, because she she trained um, classically, didn't mm-hmm. she? That's mm-hmm. that's how it came about. Yeah. I remember I watched a documentary recently. Yes. Yeah. And um and but she she just wasn't accepted in the classic world, classical no. world, was no, she? No, she wasn't. No. Yeah, it it seems it seems such a shame, doesn't it? I I guess, but I suppose it's indicative of the times in that, maybe up even till now, that she was a black woman playing classical piano. There wouldn't have been many opportunities for her. Maybe there's, you know, still a time where it it wasn't allowed to a certain degree. I don't know if it was still in... Um, exactly in Jim Crow times, so when the segregation laws were still in place in the United States, but there was still the... It was still there in society in in America, um, that division. And, yeah, so she wasn't accepted in the classical world. And she wanted to speak out. She wanted to speak out about what she saw about racial injustice and the injustice of the time and speak about racial politics. And as uh, as a black singer, as a black musician, at that time, you would have been told, don't do that, otherwise you'll lose your career because you'd be ousted from the music industry. And that happened to her, it happened to other other artists as well. And that, that's even in like when she went into playing jazz and things like that. Right. Like, so like her further on in her career, yeah. Exactly, So she'd yes. already been, denied her roots through the classical world mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. she she went into the like the jazz world and yeah. then that's when she was coming up against problems as well because of yeah. how she when she was talking out yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and and she didn't stop she still carried on making her music you know saying what she had to say um doing activism in her way and she did she she, um, after a time, got, she lost her career, you know, she stopped getting opportunities. And there was a big break in her career between the 70s and 80s. And I think she came back um, in, the, in the 80s doing live gigs. But by that time, she was probably quite, quite impacted by her lifestyle, should we say. Right, yeah. But still, a trailblazer, you know, still spoke out. So she's an inspiration to me. And an amazing talent at the same time. The way she plays piano, the way she sings, and how she puts all of that with words, and her character, and what she said, <laughs> and what she did. Yes, you know, I think she's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Brilliant. What direction would you like to be going in? I think, I mean, I love, I love this field. I love what I do. I love connecting with people. Um, it, it does give me purpose and satisfaction, you know, when I see clients moving on and they've got all these tools in their tool bag and they're looking at life differently, that feels great. I feel like I just want to reach more people. So I want to find a way to do that because one-on-one is great, but it's quite intense and it actually takes a lot out of me. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and I want to be reaching more people. So finding ways to do that somehow, you know, whether that means doing different formats, um, doing group therapy, um, doing courses, just encompassing some of this learning and making it accessible. So there's always that that barrier as well with 
therapy being um, expensive, which yeah, I guess it can be. Um, but and you've got charities that that do um, give access to um, mental health services, and you've got the NHS. But being able to make it widely accessible through literature and um, somehow through online online services, just want to be able to reach more people. Just want to get it out there to more people and people that might not think it's for them. Right. Yeah. I think that's the thing because it's all well and good me with these trendy millennials, um, but yeah, people that really could do with that connection with someone who can support them therapeutically. Yeah. So finding ways to do that, Jamie, but I haven't cracked that exactly yet, but it's coming. It's Work coming. in progress. Work in progress. Watch Brilliant. this space. So anybody that inspires you, more than one person or one person that you find as an inspiration, apart from the people that we've already mentioned, the mm. artists that we've already mentioned. Yeah, Nina. Nina is really up there on that list for me for all those reasons that we said. I, I'm going to say um, Doreen Lawrence. Okay. Dame Doreen Lawrence, as she is known now. Um, because she she lost her son, Stephen Lawrence, at the hands of a an unprovoked racist attack at a bus stop in South London um, back in the early 90s, in 93. And he was just minding his business, young black boy, with lots of promise, wanted to be an architect and you know, a good member of the community. And he was attacked and killed in a street in South London, which in itself is traumatic enough, is tragic enough. But then because of the institutional racism at that time in the Met, his case wasn't looked into properly. And actually his family became subject to um, surveillance by the Met. Really? As opposed to them going after... The, the perpetrators. So it's only been recently, actually, in the last couple of years that a couple of his killers have come to justice. But Doreen Lawrence, since that time, has spent her life chasing some form of justice, sacrificed her marriage, you know, it meant her marriage. And her life has been given to having conversations in high places about structural racism and racism and fighting the racism in the Met. You know, we had the McPherson report, which said, stated that the Met was racist. There was structural racism in, in the Met police. And that led to her son's killing not being investigated and seeing how that structural racism permeates lots of society, lots of um, culture in the society and lots of places. And she's fought that and she's made real change. And she's changed the fabric of society in this country. And that's one Jamaican woman. It's sad that she's had to be that strong black woman, but because of her, there's been so much change. And I've got so much respect for her. And I think about the rooms that she's had to be in and the conversations that she's had to have and all of that while grieving yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have respect for her. Amazing. She's uh, inspiring. True, truly inspiring woman. So, leading on to your last track, which is your guilty pleasure track. I'm wondering if I can get away with this as a guilty pleasure, and I really I should have gone with. So I'd mentioned Billy Joel 
<laughs> Joel, Joel, how do you even say it? Because I I do like his music. But he's a great, he plays piano as well. Great piano. Some tunes, he's got some tunes. And I do like a bit of Queen every now oh, yeah, and again. Yeah. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? Please. Oh, there's nothing like, wrong with a bit of Queen. Edit that out. But, you know, whenever I hear Don't Stop Me Now, my toe... <laughs> It's like secretly tapping. It's like, no, don't start singing along. But Queen were pretty cheesy, but they they were <laughs> they were pretty amazing at the same time, weren't they? And that that performance at Live Aid, mm, just yeah. you you can't watch that without getting goosebumps. Yes, yeah. So, um, if I were playing by the rules, it probably would have been one of those two. But I've gone with a song that just had to be on this list because anyone that knows me knows that this is one of my all-time favourite songs. I know all the words. <laughs> I am going to belt this out when we play it. And it is cheesy disco diva song. But I just love it. Yeah, so I'm going to go with this cheesy disco diva hairbrush sing-along moment. Shaka Khan, Ain't Nobody. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'll accept that. Can it? I get away with that? Yeah, I think so. Is it, I... is it not cheesy enough? I guess it is cheesy, but I love it. This is a classic, isn't it? I think it qualifies because any song that gets played at a wedding, I think, can be That's on the guilty point. pleasures That's list. That's a good point. <laughs>
an all-time classic, isn't it? It is. It is. I could have put that in so many categories, actually, that yeah, song. I think, actually, when we spoke in the week, I, th- I think... <laughs> it was I, in a different it category. Was in a category. <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yes. Brilliant um, song. Yeah, but Shaka Khan, she's one of my favourite singers. Great voice, amazing. Just, yeah, she's got a belting out voice that just seems to come from nowhere and she can shoot it across a room. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just, I love, I love her voice. Amazing. Well, Lorna, thank you very much for today. I really appreciate this. Thank you for, for coming and chatting with me. And It's always a pleasure to chat to you, Jamie. Oh. Um, thank you for inviting me. I feel so, like, honoured. Thank oh, you. Thank you. And yeah. any excuse to talk about music and, and life. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to find out more about Lorna and her practice, take a look at her website, goodsoultherapy.co.uk. I've also put the link in the episode description. If you missed the first episode where I interviewed my good friend Sean Hughes about him cycling to Ibiza, competing in an Ironman and the London Marathon, along with other things, you can check it out at the same place that you found Lorna's interview. Next month, I'll be back interviewing someone else that I find interesting and inspiring and asking them about five tracks that mean something to them too. Until next time, take it easy.